0: Hello and welcome to Everybody's National Parks, an audio travel guide aimed to inspire you and your family to visit America's National Parks and help you get the most out of your park experience. This is your host Danielle. This is episode 22.1, the first episode in our series on Isle Royale National Park. This is the trip report from a trip Brian took with his brother Dan and their high school buddies in August 2019. Be sure to listen to the end to hear about their crazy adventure, trying to get home. Also listen to the end for my perspective on what it was like on the home front. If this is your first time tuning in, go back and listen to past episodes, including an interview with Ken Burns, or episodes on parks, including Biscayne, Crater Lake, Everglades, Grand Canyon, Great Smoky Mountains, Olympic, Sawaro, Shenandoah, Yellowstone, Yosemite, Zion, and more. In episode number 20, we share our highlights from 2019, our bucket list for our return trips, and we answer a listener question about budget travel to the national parks. Send us your questions, comments, feedback, stories, tips, or recommendations via Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or send us an email at hello at everybodysnps.com you can also share with us what you want to hear on future episodes. Thank you to all of our listeners and financial supporters via Patreon for sharing in this National Park adventure. Now, let's get to the conversation.
1: You know, backed by popular acclaim for this trip report on Isle Royale National Park is my brother, Dan. Dan, hello. Hello. And a very special guest star. Jeff Greenberger, our old teacher from high school, who was, uh, as we said on the trip, he was promoted and upgraded to high school buddy. Doc, welcome.
2: You're very kind, and I've I've never been so honored in my life. (laughs) Well, great. Promoted to being a high school buddy.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. (laughs) I've arrived. It's an elite few, Doc. So, uh, And as you know, the initiation was arduous, so uh, you've you've earned it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, guys, you know, usually if one is you know, a bit logical and more organized, we would have had this trip report right after we went. Not your guy's fault, uh, my fault. As it happens, we all got busy and time goes. And here we are, we're staring the holidays right in the face. And it's already been three months since the trip. But I think as we were emailing and texting last night, I actually, this was actually kind of nice because it forced me at least to reminisce about what a great trip we had uh, over the summer in August to Isle Royale. I, I don't know. How did you guys feel?
2: I haven't moved. I've been home staring at the maps since then. I haven't gone on any adventures. I just keep thinking about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Dan, what about you out there in the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, I mean, I can't believe how
3: fast time goes by. It's been three months, but yeah, it was a super awesome trip. Yeah. and uh, I agree with you. I'm jog my memory a little bit here and uh, remember all the good times
1: this is a park that's hard to get to. You know, it's not the, uh, hey, let's. uh, it's a Friday, let's pack up the cooler and throw the tent in the back and we can be, you know, at our campsite in four hours. This took a little bit of planning. And so we started going over this about a year ago, a little under a year ago, and sorting this out. And I swear to not just you guys, but more importantly, our, our significant others, that we pitched this as a truly as just a long weekend, you know, leave on a Thursday, back on a Sunday type of thing. But it's tough to get to. So, you know, just to kind of speed up, we figured this out for August and we figured it out around the ferry schedule. We flew into Minneapolis, met up, and then drove up to five hours to Grand Marais, which is a town. And there was a, you know, just a basically a local park, a front country campsite. We camped out overnight to be up and early for Grand Portage, Minnesota. Again, we're now about six hours north of Minneapolis. To take the ferry, the Sea Hunter, I think the Sea Hunter was our ferry, to take to Windigo, the west side of Isle Royal National Park, and just getting that, obviously in flying, took a, a full twenty-four hours before we actually were able to set foot in Windigo. So we arrived in Windigo, and again, what was your guys' impressions? I'll start with you, Doc. As we were kind of steaming up Washington Harbor, what was your impression?
2: to me, the, the, the length and the, uh, the hassle involved in getting there, although you did all the um, logistics, so it was a hassle for you, made it feel like it was almost international travel. What a relief it was to get on the boat and to know that at least the drag part of the traveling, that is the traveling that isn't backcountry traveling, was over. Coming into Washington Harbor was, was magical. It was uh, the Sea Hunter pulled over and we, we got to imagine we saw the wreck of that one ship, the America, that had sunk 100 years ago. Right there, felt like oh, it was a special feeling to know that we were going to a place where there was history built right in. And because it was out in Lake Superior, it felt isolated from the get-go. Even before we hit the first trail, it really felt like we were going far away, which is what I aim for, and you do too, I know.
1: It certainly felt like we crossed over into another realm. Do you recall? Uh, and I, I think this is something I did want to note, that uh, when we were driving from Grand Marais to Grand Portage, I don't know, Dan, I, I was expecting a big, you know, the classic national park sign saying welcome to oh, yeah. gateway to Isle Royal. And do you remember like signage? <laughs> you know, we actually, do you remember we missed it? Do, do you recall? Yeah. This?
3: The signage wasn't that good. I think we turned around two or three times, but cause you know, then you, you lose phone service. So we were relying on the, the car's GPS and got to count that out sometimes and just go by feel.
2: <laughs> right. Right. And the, and the ferry, the ferry itself, was um, it was a bit of a surprise to see that it, it was not a national park operation. It was a concessionaire. It was kind of run down the way concessionaires can be. I mean, it was friendly enough, but it, it didn't have the national park gloss on it.
1: No, exactly. And to such a point where I was a little nervous that, did I do this right? And again, I had done the logistics. So if something got fouled up, it was going to be on on me if we were swimming to Windigo. So uh, yeah, I was a little nervous, but all's well that ends well. And actually on this ride, and we'll kind of Pre-sage the return trip, but this was a smooth trip over to Windigo. About what it was about, ninety minutes, and so we steam up into Windigo, and this was where we did get the welcome. Do you guys recall we disembark, get on the dock, and uh, Doc, do you remember who was waiting for us? I know there was a
2: ranger there, yes, but I can't remember. It was a bit of a scene, wasn't it? Because there was the the seaplane dock right nearby, and there was I think it was like stocking up day. Weren't there other things happening besides our arrival?
1: Well, you're right. There was unloading of supplies, which, again, gave you the sense of that, you know, this is an isolated park. And they divided us into two groups. There was those who were going to overnight, and then there were those who were just day trippers. That's right. And so, so obviously, we were in the overnight crew, and that's when we got our orientation. But that's when, at least for me, I don't want to lead the jury here, I felt like, all right, we're being welcomed to a national park. There was a ranger with the smokey the bear hat going over what the do's and don'ts were, they had been expecting us. They knew who we were. That felt as though, all right, we've arrived. We're here. All the planning, had kind of clicked into place and uh, we can now
2: start on on our adventure. I know. That was odd too. I've been to plenty of national parks, but I don't think I've ever been expected by name.
1: Right. Well, you don't roll into Yellowstone and a ranger pulls you over and says, okay, Jeff Greenberger, welcome. We've been expecting <laughs> exactly.
2: you. Exactly so.
1: Which I think speaks to this park. You know, it only gets 12,000 people a year for yeah. a national park. And you know, that's a, Probably a slow weekend at a place like Yosemite, right? That's just for the year. But day trippers, and and that seemed to be most people. And same thing. And not to jump ahead, when we got to Rock Harbor at the end of the trip, even more day trippers. Probably the majority of those who come. There was the hardy few us who were uh, (laughs) going to be backcountry camping. But our first night, we were not in the backcountry, so we decided to stay at the housekeeping cabin in Wendigo. There was just a few, and we managed to snag a reservation. So we checked in, dumped our gear, and then I have a confession to make. I don't think I confessed this to you when we were there. We did go on the Huguenin Cove Trail, which is about 9.1 miles. I missed the memo. I didn't know we were going on that hike. I thought we were going on a much shorter hike, and I was too embarrassed to raise my hand and say, haven't we been hiking for a while? I just kind of thought I had lost track or or was hiking pretty slow, but do you guys recall that first hike, the Huguenin Cove Trike?
2: To me, that was shortlist for the most beautiful trail of the entire trip. Coming along the, the north coast of the islands, do you remember how the trail kind of rolled along and the moss and all the lichens were growing onto the trail? It felt like something out of Tolkien on right. that first, first loop. That was uh, kind of a surreal feel to it, and it was a little bit foggy, and that, that trail had very special vibes to me
1: you're right and it did feel otherworldly there was also because of the moss and the wetness and the dampness there was an amazing growth of mushrooms again yeah you know hobbit mushrooms or whatever you know so a creature could live under those mushrooms it felt like which at least we don't get a lot on the dan i don't know about you in the pacific northwest i don't remember seeing a lot of those on the east coast so that was pretty special and a great introduction to to our trip
2: yeah dan that's where you got those agates as
3: well yeah, there's a little beach uh down the way from where we stopped called Agate Beach. I saw that on the map and I'm like, all right, I'm in. You know, and the minute we made it
2: to the beach I started uh combing and
3: it found some agates, yeah. It was a pretty nice
2: beach there. That was when we found that amazing beaver dam. And remember that beaver that was just showing off for us?
1: Right. There was well two things. One uh that beaver was great, and it, again, it was as though it was a show. It's, it's basically right off the trail. We hadn't gone off trail at all or on a social trail, and it was just Mr. and Mrs. Beaver were there, cruising back and forth, cruising back and forth, and finally, we got the tail slap, which was kind of the punctuation on our stopping by,
0: yeah.
1: and Dan, just quickly, can you remind me uh, what an agate is? A pretty rock. <laughs> <laughs> which, which one collects, right? And you're a collector. Right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I don't have any technical terms for you on that one. <laughs> so just to paint that picture on this nine mile hike, and we, we had we'd just gotten there and it goes along the North coast uh, as well. It kind of circles around. So we got water views, heavily vegetated, moss, mushrooms, the agates. We got a little bit of wildlife in terms of the beaver. We did not see, correct me if I'm wrong. We did not see, we heard rumors of moose. But we did not see moose, and of course, we had heard on how the island was just lousy with moose, and uh, we, hadn't, we didn't see one then, but I keep a story of when we first saw our moose, but we circled back around. I thought, I don't know about you all, that was for me, I don't know why, that nine miles was the toughest hike for the weekend for me, and uh, I don't know if it's because I was cooped up on planes and boats and cars the prior 24 hours and just getting my sea legs, or I mismanaged my own expectations on how long the hike was. But uh, I was a little disappointed in myself at the end of the hike, saying, yeah, I'm kind of wiped out, and I just got here.
2: Well, another reason that contributed, maybe, is you're feeling so exhausted. You remember how Isle Royal lays out in a series of kind of east-west striations, where it's um, almost like a corduroy island. Does this ring a bell? It how the does. Land, how the land is shaped. Well, as it happens, when we went to Hugging and Cove and did that loop, we went over three or four of those corduroy ridges so it was a lot of up and down for the first afternoon out you know the mercy was that we were none of us wearing packs on our backs because it was just an afternoon out right that was a lot of up and down given that you know our legs weren't even warmed up yet
1: and of course those are glacial striations that kind of carved that out on the island and actually responsible for the island itself we circled back around we were able to bunk down in our housekeeping cabin that night And, and again do you guys have a a quick review of the cabin Clapping, 100%. Total. Yeah.
2: <laughs> clean as can be with electricity that works. And oh, it was a great place to crash.
1: It was a lot nicer than I thought. I've, I've been in some of these kind of basic cabins. And uh, this was clearly pretty new and pretty nice. So that was exciting.
2: Exciting in a way that it's nice to be able to get a good night's sleep after just so many hours of travel and airplanes. Right.
1: And knowing that we were going to hit the backcountry. Yeah, it was a great, great night to stretch out. Also, just a quick review the visitor center was there. We had enough time on the back end of this trip in Windigo, but at this time, we didn't really spend a lot of time in the visitor center other than getting our backcountry permit and then sorting out exactly what we were going to do in the backcountry. And we had, Doc, you and I had sat down, we had sent emails around to all of us trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And to make a long story short, ultimately we decided we have a good idea, but we're going to make a game time decision based on what. We wanted to do what the rangers would recommend, the weather, that sort of thing. And we, we made enough reservations to cover our bases. Uh, but we decided that we were going to take the ferry the next day, another intra island ferry to McCargo Cove. So we, we were up in Adam, broke camp. But before uh, we broke camp, speaking of the moose, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I, I was up first. And not to disturb you guys, I went out brewed up a, a pot of tea. And because the, uh, the dew had the picnic table pretty well wet, I was standing up reading my book in one hand, holding my tea mug in the other hand. And behind our cabin and to my back, I heard something almost like clearing its throat as in trying to get my attention. I turned around and... Uh, Around the back of the cabin, all I saw was the neck and the head of a massive cow, a massive uh, female moose. Basically, I was in her way. She was going to come through our campsite, and she had saw me. I didn't see her, so she cleared her throat, looked at me. I looked at her, and of course, we had the we had the review when we got to the island of how to deal with moose. You know, keep them at a enough distance you know, don't, don't, don't get in their way, that sort of thing. And of course, here we are the first time I see one and I'm in its way, I'm way too close and it's looking right at me. So I, I quietly tried to move around our front of our porch to let it go. And it just turned around, went up and about a minute, and I scrambled to get you guys. And about a minute later, no, even not even a minute, we heard a younger moose bleeding coming up the path in front of our cabin. And clearly it was looking for mom. And mom was trying to get to, to the kid. Uh, but that was our first moose sighting, which was pretty exciting. So we broke camp. Uh, we jumped on the ferry, intra-island ferry to McCargo Cove, which was about three, three and a half
2: hours. And it was such a wonderful trip. Do you remember looking north across Lake Superior at the land masses that were Canada? And the, they were massive, you know, the earth shape you could see. And these. And I remember the captain was telling me what we were looking at. But looking at them from the water was, of course, nothing like looking at them on a map. They were just tremendous. They looked like, uh, I don't even know what to say, except they were tremendous rock formations that were plainly miles and miles vast. But from the distance, it just looked like a wonderful landscape.
1: I'll tell you what, it was, and we should mention this. I really didn't appreciate, dumbly, the scale of Lake Superior. And of course, just being my East Coast bias and growing up on the water was uh, that it's a lake. And a lake is, you know, basically a glorified pond at some level. (laughs) But, but boy. um, And again, kind of on the back end of the trip, we really got a lesson. But that doc, you're right. Uh, Steaming east uh, along the north coast of Isle Royal and then seeing these other land masses, which on the map are just blips, but to our eye were massive. And then beyond that's Canada. It felt like we were at the, the end of time, right? The, some kind of a, a distant lands before the earth dropped off into the abyss. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it, and it was, again, a nice way. I thought I'd be sick of being in a some sort of conveyance, but that ride was certainly a pleasure cruise. And just uh, with, the, with Isle Royal on our right, Canada and the rest of Lake Superior on our left. And before we knew it, we were steaming into Macargo Cove. We disembarked, and then that was the beginning of our our backcountry excitement. So now, Doc, I, I, I will see you and raise you. I thought this was my favorite hike of the trip, which was going from a cargo cove down to Lake Ritchie, passing by Chicken Bone Lake. And I think that hike, which was uh, a little over six miles, we took our time. Uh, we had a leisurely pace. Of course, we were with, uh, we should mention, it wasn't just the three of us. We were with Dave and Steve, our also high school buddies, two brothers as well. And uh, just taking our time and heading down just felt, uh, felt great. And so, Dan, any impression of that hike?
3: Uh, I really like that hike, too. Just the elevation changes and the lakes. It was super pretty. We've seen some moose as well.
1: And Remember we saw the moose swimming. did
3: we
2: see yeah. the moose swimming that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's correct. Which we find they're eating the algae. And so they're not just swimming for pleasure. It's just part of, part of the diet, which was there's some nutrient-rich algae. That moose, which I had no idea that they swim and die for algae so that was really cool to see
2: you know what else was cool do you remember when we got off the boat there was another guy who got off the boat with us who it was there It was like his his 20th yes. time on isle royal and he still hadn't seen a, a wolf although he was hoping to hear one and right he was talking about how this is just his favorite place to be and he keeps coming back
1: and he was going to keep hiking isle royal until he saw a wolf he had hiked every trail And now his goal was, I'm going to hike until I do recall him. And he was, I'll kind of take the bullet here for being a a little bit of a misanthrope. But uh, getting in the backcountry, I was looking forward to getting away from people. And I had anxiety on that boat ride of, oh boy, there's a lot of people on this boat. And we're all going to go for the same campsites. We're going to be crowded and cheek by jowl. I was was so ridiculous, that, that worry. We got off the boat at McCargo Cove. And we saw that guy. He was a nice guy. He went one way. Some other folks went another way. And within, what, minutes? We were minute. by ourselves. I don't, remember st- I don't remember seeing anyone on our hike down to Lake Ritchie. Do you guys?
2: Uh, there's a couple of people we passed. I think we passed a couple of people. I think we passed a couple of people. Do you remember how beautiful it was cruising into McCargo Cove? And do you remember we saw the sailboat Moored off to the right, and it looked it looked to me like something out of an expensive magazine. Right, right. Somebody Robert. had taken a forty foot yacht to this place, and there was nobody else around. They had a private you a know, waterfront.
1: I was astern, focused on a loon, kind of just trailing in our wake. And it, you know, a loon, of course, it's it's like a massive duck. That was nice to see too, because it's where we are. It's hard to you know, I don't see loons that often. We, the girls and I, go up to Vermont, and we we hear and see loons up there if we're lucky, but There was one just hanging out right behind our boat, steaming into McCargo Cove.
2: Chickenbone Lake was also neat. Remember, we walked along the edge of the lake, then we took off and went went over one of the ridges. But that was our first lake that we walked along the edge of, at any rate.
1: Yes, and again, we're you know kind of that bunhouse mirror where you keep seeing a reflection of yourself and a reflection of yourself. The fact that we were on an island in Lake Superior, and then there's a lake on this particular island, and in Chickenbone Lake there were some (laughs) islands within the actual lake itself, which was great to see. So we had the option. There's a couple backcountry campsites um, on Chicken Bone, but we decided to push on, and I'm so glad we did because this was my highlight. When we got to Lake Ritchie and we were able to pick our backcountry campsite, once we got set up, we had a great view overlooking the lake, but we had time. And so, Doc, I think, I think you and Steve and Dave, I think you guys put a line in, if I recall.
2: Yeah, it was another one of several vain attempts to catch a fish, but <laughs> <was really> fun. <laughs> which we understand wasn't our fault. I guess it's tough.
1: Uh, it's a tough thing to do. But again, there's a we were able to put lines in and then Dan and I decided to swim with the moose. So we we jumped in the, the moose that was swimming was on the other side of the lake. But at least we can claim we were swimming in a lake with a moose at the same time. But, right. And we also <laughs> saw those
2: two magnificent swans out there.
1: Oh, right. Yeah, Good memory. Yeah. So that campsite was just was magic, and again we were away. I think there was someone else. It wasn't the other backcountry campsites, but they were far enough down. We never heard them. We just saw them kind of walking along the shore. But that was it. We were away from people, and we were in the backcountry for sure. So we had a good setup. Got to set up the hammock. We all got to warm ourselves up with a with a flask of Glenlivet that I was able to bring, courtesy of. Uh, Dan and my father. Uh, that was thanks, our Dad. Christmas gift. Yeah, thanks, Dad. So we got to warm ourselves up with that. And that was just a great night. But again, uh, one of our goals uh, were the wolves. There's 50-some-odd wolves that are on the island. But we were told, they're very elusive. You're probably not going to see them. Maybe you're lucky you'll hear them. And Dan, do you want to talk about how again, <laughs> what we heard that night, what we thought we had heard, and what it turned out it, it was? Yeah, well... That was a
3: beautiful campsite. That was my favorite campsite of the whole trip, I think, right there on the lake. I just have to say that. It was mine, too. It was mine, was it? too, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was just so magical right there. But anyway, I'm passed out sleeping, and I hear something. I'm like, what is that, you know? So I'm laying there super quiet. I'm like, dude, it's a wolf. I can't believe it, you know? Yeah. And it was going on and on, and then you, you heard the call, and then there was a response, like somewhere else on the island, and we just keep going around like that. And I'm like, man, there's wolves all around us. This is crazy. It, right. It turns out it's just a loon. <laughs>
1: well, I know. Well, look, in defense of us, we had a, a, a belly full of warm beer and scotch when, right. when we went to bed. Trail we board. had it in our mind, in our subconscious, that you know, wolves are around. And uh, again, I, I, I haven't told this to Doc, but Dan, I told it to you before Doc dialed in. Was uh, We went up to Vermont in October. And uh, we stay in this cabin that's on a lake where there are loons, and we've heard loon calls. And there's a little note that the woman who originally built the cabin, she put a little note in the closet from 50 years ago about the different loon calls. And she had three different loon calls. One of the loon calls she described said, well, this is mistaken often for a wolf howl. And so I think we can be forgiven. It was, you know, when I heard it, it was 1.30 in the morning. And I know that because it was total keystone cops i heard it woke up and i fumbled for my phone dropped it fumbled it in the air couldn't find it i tried to record it thinking it was a wolf but it was just a loon and again the loon call is one of the coolest calls in nature so you know it's a nice secondary prize but yeah no wolves for us but <laughs> definitely the loon
2: you know i have to say something about the um the overnight camping and and the being and listening to sounds one of the surprising delights of being on that island with you guys was I can't remember the last time I was able to sleep a few nights in the backcountry, in that deep in the woods, and and not even have part of my, you know, just below the conscious level. Like, I got to be conscious. There might be a bear. There might be. I mean, for all the the wilderness of it, it's it's a relatively safe place because, well, because you don't have to worry about a bear getting into your stuff, into your food. And so or, I slept so soundly. Normally, when I'm in the backcountry, you know, I'm kind of half asleep because I'm waiting. Like, when's the hassle going to come? When do I have to worry about my food or this, the raccoons or anything? But there's not much going on there that's going to be a nuisance to people.
1: Yeah, you're right. We did not have to be bear aware, and at the same time, you know, at least being here, Doc, where where you and I are, and Dan, where where you grew up, not to have to worry about the deer ticks and Lyme. Uh, yeah. It was. I understand they do have ticks there that latch onto the moose, but I don't think anything that affects humans. And so that was also nice that we could walk in tall grass and not have to worry about, oh, what do I have to pull off? Or or what's going to happen if I get the bullseye rash in 10 days? That was very relaxing for me and kind of to, to mellow out. I realized what I miss out here, having to worry about deer ticks. And of course, we've camped elsewhere and having to be, Dan and I were in Olympic and we were absolutely had to be bear aware.
2: I think it's one of the unsung treats of, of Isle Royale because it's, it's as backcountry as, as anywhere. But what a nice thing not to have to carry a bear vault. I mean, that saves a few pounds right there and just not even an issue.
1: It is really nice. And it, just a quick fun fact, there are no bear there because the bears hibernate in winter when Lake Superior freezes over. Whereas the moose and the wolves don't, they were able to cross the ice. And so that's just a quick factoid of why there are no bear. And I s- assume why there are no deer they don't hibernate but the deer just don't have that range to make it across the ice so whatever the case may be it was just nice to have that type of relaxation for our trip in the back yeah. country yeah so uh we were up the next day up early broke camp and then this was the long hike of our trip uh 10 miles to camp called three mile uh but we stopped at daisy farm which was about if i recall about six miles in uh 10 mile hike but Uh, As opposed to Huguenin, I felt, for this, for me, I felt strong, and this was a great hike, and those 10 miles zipped by. That felt like uh, we had been out for an hour. There were some arduous hikes. Again, Dr., your point about Huguenin, we were going up and over some of these glacial striations, and some of it was a borderline rock scramble where the trail was marked out on the rock face. But even then, I felt as though uh, that was a great hike. We were in our groove, and I know I enjoyed that workout. That was a uh, it was a tough hike, but a good hike. What, what did you guys think
2: when we left Rich, Lake Ritchie? Did we go along the Greenstone Ridge and then cut down south to Daisy Farm? Am I remembering that's, that correctly? You are. That's correct. And then remember when we got to Daisy Farm, all of a sudden it was like it was crowded because there's a dock there, and that's kind of like one of it's one of those hubs of people. So it felt like we had come out of the backcountry, and now we were on the coast, and this is where the people hang out. It was a friendly right. crowd, but it but it certainly wasn't quiet like it had been.
1: It, it felt a little bit like uh, the scene in Apocalypse Now where uh, they had been in the jungle on the boat in the wilds and they suddenly come up on the USO, <laughs> the yeah, USO yeah. Uh, uh, show. Same thing here where uh, we had done this tough hike, again, not seeing many people at all. Some of you guys stopped to put a line in the water to, again, in vain, try to see if you can snag a fish. But we got to Daisy Farm for lunch. There's a backcountry ranger there. They actually have ranger programs a couple nights a week. Uh, a big camp, all backcountry, but a big campsite and a dock. But we just chilled out there, had lunch.
2: Remember, it was a beautiful sunny afternoon. I think we all pretty much crashed for a couple hours.
1: We did. It was great. Shoes off. swimming. Dan <laughs> went swimming, cooled off, and it was hot. That's right. It certainly felt, you know, and we had worked up a big sweat on that hike, which again, I, I just have to comment, Doc, some of the accoutrement that you brought along. I thought my favorite of your gadgets, not really gadget, but your small cylinder powdered root beer, which <laughs> I thought was just
2: <laughs> just clutch to have yeah, that. that's yeah. good stuff. That's good stuff. But I have to say the night before, you, you may forget because it was so small, but, but we actually had a campfire in a no open fireplace because of that, that pokey little titanium stove I have. It, really, it, may, it makes for a nice atmosphere and it does throw off some decent heat.
1: So it's a stick stove. And uh, we to be completely transparent, we cleared it with the rangers because it's not an open fire and it it could be a cook stove, so we were allowed to have it. And again, it's you know we just fed it with sticks, and so I did feel like we were getting away with something, even though it was completely compliant. So that was uh, that was a great get, and uh, I'm glad you uh, were able to bring that along. Sure. So from Daisy Farm to Three Mile, and it's called Three Miles because it's three miles out from Rock Harbor. So we were getting close. Uh, we thought to the end of our trip, and you guys recall we we kind of shopped around for uh, a camping spot. Doc, I think you found because uh, you were the first in a really nice spot that we were all able to fit. Uh, remember, there was Irwinville where Dan and I camped, and uh, there was That's Benderville, right. and then Doc, right. you know, you were in no man's land, and yeah. uh, but it was on the water; it was great. And uh, do you guys remember this was? <laughs> this oh, was actually kind of
2: funny. It was threatening, right? The wind kicked in. What a mess! The wind kicked in,
1: and then the rangers showed up, which has had never happened. Where we're in the backcountry, and if you guys remember the uh, and I, I, you know, again, I was just being a a pain. But the rules are in the backcountry that you you have your backcountry permit on someone's backpack, and then when you set up camp, it's on someone's tent. And we had just set up camp. And uh, you guys were busting my chops because, you know, who's really going to check this? But of course, I was making jokes about, no, we have to be compliant. Well, I can't get in trouble. And sure enough, we say that. And five minutes later, the Rangers walk in. Again, not to bust our chops or be officious, but they had a serious message that they said, uh, hey, listen, there's uh, some bad weather rolling in. We're tracking down everyone in the backcountry. You know, they had our name on a list, checked us off. They checked the backcountry permit, which I was thrilled about and uh it said hey listen just letting you know you may be stuck here Uh, we just don't know there's a bad storm rolling in and there's gonna be some high swell and just letting you guys know and and so they left and suddenly we had to start thinking about well wait a minute our trip may be extended here we're intense what's this weather gonna be like so you know doc what were you thinking when they uh they lay that on us
2: well you know my issue was that I was starting a new class at the university and I had to be back to, I was already missing the first class to remember because I was in the backcountry. So I thought the least I can do is show up for the second class. And then when the the ranger told us that, I thought, great, you know, professor missed the first two classes. What kind of class is this?
1: Right. Right. But also that unknown of, uh, we have no cells coverage and it it jarred me back into the real world because I had been in fantasy land, you know, in this, this (laughs) mystical realm, and suddenly so it's like, oh, wow, we may get stuck here and plane tickets and obligations and jobs and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, it kind of pulled me back. What about you, Dan?
3: Yeah. I mean, anytime anything screws up your plans, I mean, it's going to ruin your day. But also the fact that you're, it's the only way off the island This is like, well, I guess there's two ways, a boat or a seaplane, right? Yeah. And it's like wow, what are we going to do if we're stuck here for a week because the swells are like 12 feet on the lake. Right.
1: That was weighing on us. But if you remember, they kind of gave us the worst case scenario and the weather held. It got a little, like you said, it got ominous, as Doc said. But then it broke right when the sun went down and it was fine and we all had a decent night's sleep. Up in the morning, broke camp, uh, and then three miles into Rock Harbor, which that was a nice...
2: Wait, don't you remember, Brian? Remember, we cut over to Tubin Harbor just to get a different view on the way in. Does that really right. fell to you, yes, it does.
1: So there was two ways that can go on this narrow, narrow peninsula. You can go either on Lake Superior side, or what we did. We cut across the neck and went to Tubin Harbor with us to see another scene. Dave and Steve hugged the coast of Lake Superior because they wanted to keep fishing, but we wanted to see another another look. Yeah, and we passed the. The crew, the rangers, the crew, the road crew, the trail crew. But then hiked in. Any other impressions of that hike, Doc?
2: The walk along that that protected harbor was so calm and peaceful, and the harbor itself was beautiful. Whereas just on the other side of that narrow stretch of land that we had crossed to get to it, remember how the wind was and, and right. the water was bouncing up against the lakeside trail, and it, it wasn't a comfortable walk on the lakeside trail. But when we went inland and were protected. Uh, a little bit, it became just another relaxing stroll.
1: Now, Dan, do you remember? Was it on this day or the day prior where we saw the moose femur just lying right off the trail? Do you remember? That was the hike. That was um, the day before when we were on the way to Three Mile. So just to back that up, I was excited. I thought we had a major scientific discovery that we had stumbled on. Took a picture of this moose femur, which I, I assumed had been dragged from a moose kill by a, a, a wolf. Or or a moose that just died of natural causes and then a wolf scavenging dragged it. I don't know, but I was really excited. Uh, But (laughs) once we, you know, the next day, uh, our hike along uh, Tubin Tobin Harbor, once we all met up at Rock Harbor, uh, which by the way, felt as though we had emerged from weeks, you know, Dr. Livingston, Stanley and Livingston type of things, weeks in the backcountry, we emerged into Rock Harbor, which is the kind of the major hub. Most people do come in from the Michigan side from Houghton, Michigan, into Rock Harbor. There is a Ranger uh boat, which is much bigger than the Sea Hunter that we took. And uh we, we had gotten there, we checked in with the Ranger, and I had uh went right to him breathlessly to tell him we saw a moose femur. Here's where we saw it, and he could not have been more nonplussed. He said, Well, did you see the skull? I said, No. He's like, Well, we really don't care. <laughs> did you see a wolf? No. Well, we really don't care, which I was so crestfallen because I really thought. We saw some but, trees. We saw some trees, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, I, look, that walk into, it always is, when you come back into civilization, that walk into Rock Harbor, once we got there, it, it certainly, there was a bit of an exhilaration. We have a nice picture of us in front of the, the sign for Rock Harbor and Isle Royale National Park. You know, I'm not, not one for sweets, but that Gatorade I bought at the gift shop was probably the best tasting Gatorade. And Doc, what was your uh, Diet libation? Diet Pepsi, please. Diet <laughs> Pepsi, please. <laughs> Got right into the Diet Pepsi.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: so again, here we thought this was the grand finale of the trip. We had also booked uh, a room in what's called the housekeeping cabins at Rock Harbor Lodge. You can stay in the lodge or there were these cabins. We had decided to get in these cabins, which are a little bit away. We had a dinner, quote unquote reservation, which was, uh, which was nice at the lodge. But we had this hanging over us. So we didn't really know what was going to happen the next day, if we were going to get out or not. So we kept checking in, but just not knowing what was going to happen. Uh, there was one room at the lodge where you can get Wi-Fi. So we all checked in. We let everybody back home know that trying to get out may be tough. But before we get to that, you know, Dan, what was your impression of Rock Harbor, the lodge, and the entire campus?
3: I didn't expect it to be so luxurious. I mean, you know, they really had it put together over there
2: there's two things about rock harbor that i remember one of them was that there were moose there like deer where we lived there were just a bunch of moose around and people just stopping on the trail and admiring the moose and giving them plenty of time and the other thing was i felt at rock harbor the the vestiges of you know an earlier era on um isle royal that we learned all about from the ranger that night but i didn't know about it because the buildings there were kind of um from the days when this was a playground for wealthy people
1: Right. It, it certainly had that grandeur, but also, and I, I forgot to mention this, on our hike in, we passed mining pits, and I was completely ignorant to Isle Royale's past as a home for mines, including copper mines, which I think all you know, really didn't pay off. I think across the lake where Houghton is, the copper mines did pay out. So I think Isle Royale was a major disappointment at some level, but we saw scars in the earth. From where some of these mining pits were, and uh, it was hard to imagine, but we learned at the Ranger Program, there were some major mini villages around Isle Royal that were all part of the mining concerns and mining camps and, and that sort of thing, which was hard to really envision for how uh, as wild as Isle Royal was, but that was also something we learned uh, when we got into Rock Harbor.
2: Yeah, yeah. That Ranger whom we listened to that night was wonderful to hear his lecture about the history. I remember some of the photographs he showed or some of the old pictures showed great great bare patches of land where it all been all been logged out. But you know, that was generations ago. There's, there are no great patches of land anymore. All the forests have grown back.
1: No, it always stunts me on how quick Mother Nature can recover. You know, when you see some of those patches of land, and to me, to to my uneducated eye, it looks as though it's old growth, but it's really 70 years of growth and just how quickly it kind of comes back and snaps back other than the mining pits, which is obviously a man-made huge hole in the ground. But uh, otherwise, mother nature covers up a lot of sins. So it's uh, uh, that was also a, a bit of an education. I thought the dinner at the lodge was pretty good for some a place that clearly has to bring everything in. The dinner was pretty good. And I thought that beer, that first beer we had on the veranda tasted mighty good. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Every yeah. year,
2: it tasted good in a beautiful place like that. But yeah, there's <laughs> something about, you know, it wasn't freeze-dried. It wasn't hunkered down over a little propane, a little canister stove. It was real food in a restaurant with, with a napkin. That's living.
1: <laughs> a total glamping. And uh, Dan, just Dan and I were going back and forth But that beer. Uh, Keweenaw Brewing Company. And I think uh, I can really recommend the Red Jacket Amber Ale, like a nice red ale. Coming off the trail just felt pitch perfect. I don't know, Dan, do you remember?
3: Yeah, I had the same beer. It was really good.
1: You know, this is a good digression. Let's talk about the beer. The beer was high quality <laughs> for being in the back country. This is also part of our glamping. Do you remember any other beer, Dan?
3: Um, the Widowmaker by those guys, which was like a black ale. That was really good. And then we tried the Isle Royale Cream
1: Ale. Which that was my favorite. A, uh, made by another company, I believe. I, but I have I it right here. The good people at Midland Brewing Company. Oh, yeah. uh, I remember that now. Out of,
2: out of Michigan. Also- you remember how the cans? You know, one of the things that was nice—it wasn't a rip-off. I mean, remember we bought cans at, at the Windigo Ranger Station too, and it's like, hey, that's not a bad price at all, given that you know when one's on vacation, one expects to pay top dollar for everything. But right. you know, reasonable prices.
1: I'll tell you what that is, Doc. Is uh, you and I getting off of Long Island and getting into uh, <laughs> another America. part of the country? Yeah, yeah, into another part of the country that is not as expensive. That felt great. Yeah, but yeah, the the I actually. Yeah, again, digression, but I think a worthwhile digression because you know a man can work up a powerful thirst on the trail.
2: No doubt.
1: I really <laughs> enjoyed that Isle Royal Cream Ale. I just looked it up again. Only a 4.5 ABV, so you know, just enough to take the edge off and That's to right. relax. So we, uh, so we bunked down that night. Unless I'm leaving anything out, we bunked down that night again, not really knowing what the next day would bring. As a matter of fact, Steve really had to get back. He had to get on a family vacation if i recall so he paid up and took this and booked the seaplane for the next day we were just going to roll the dice with taking sea hunter or the sea, the sister boat of the sea hunter is it the voyager the voyager back around to windigo and out so we always knew this was going to be a long day regardless of the weather but yeah here's the adventure of the trip we got up they said we're going to try to get out we loaded up we said our goodbyes to Rock Harbor. We set out, and as I think I, I told you guys on the email that I've thought of this as the Rock Tumbler trip. So I don't know, Dan. Do you want to take it, or I mean, do you want to describe this? Uh, this <laughs> our five hours. Yeah, what, well, what, it if, started what, off what went down? Nice.
3: It, was, it started off pretty well. You know, wasn't too bad till so we kind of went around the horn there and got out into open water, and then the swells just keep kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and yeah. I, it was there, you know, white capping and I I was pretty smart. I decided to sit on the front of the boat, you know, because uh he hit the waves really nicely there. And right. I got totally soaked within like five minutes. I kept, the waves kept splashing on me. So I had a wet butt there for the rest of the day, which was pretty good.
1: It was. <laughs> for the I just wanna say, for the record, the only person on our trip who did not get sick on that boat was Doc, who somehow kept it together.
2: It was it was tough. I was fighting the whole thing, but I have to say the aft rail was a busy place for those several hours.
1: Uh, that's where I, I posted up. And again, just it, it, if one wonders, why didn't you take Dramamine? I did. The Dramamine went right over the side about an hour in. And uh, I, do if you remember my famous last words the night before where uh, they saying? said, where don't you remember this? Where they said, hey, you know, it's going to get rough tomorrow. You guys, you know, maybe stock up on Dramamine and be prepared. And I turned to you guys. I'm like, hey, listen, all of you guys, we're from a coastal area. We have, you know, <laughs> seawater runs in our veins. Let's not embarrass ourselves in front of all these Midwesterners and get sick on <laughs> seasick. Of course, again, in defense of us, those were ten to twelve foot swell in Lake Superior. Um, and how how big was the Voyager, Doc? What do what you you know about oh, a stern? I'm
2: guessing it was around sixty feet.
1: And that is not a big that is not a big vessel. We were getting tossed around. It was a pretty rough trip, and without dwelling on it, it's just a rough, rough five hours. We get to Windigo, which we were going to pull in anyway, pick up passengers there to head back. We pull in, and uh, we knew it was tough when the, the captain got off, and there was the, a huddle with the rangers, and, and everyone looked grim. and They then came to us and said, we're not going anywhere tonight. We're uh, We're pulling in because making the run across the lake to Grand Portage—it's just too much. There's probably 14 foot swell out there, and that's where it comes over the gunwales, and we get nervous. So
2: we that, had to put that, in. That captain said that he's been doing this run for several years, and it's the first time the company wouldn't let him put out again.
1: Yeah. So it just shows you how serious it was. So we, there we were. We were back in Windigo. Uh, we were stuck an extra day, and you know, this is where I—I I think we saw the best of the National Park Service. Uh, one, they clearly this had happened before as they told us in the fall usually or spring not in the middle of summer but it has happened so they just kind of activated their plan they they knew how to handle everybody you know some people were super nervous some people you know were day trippers and not you know at least we had equipment and we had food and we had tents and uh, i thought it was really nice and special that uh, one thing they did is they opened up their own homes to some of the guests and then it was basically Kind of, uh, it was nice how everyone worked together. It's basically everyone said, all right, who who needs a place? So our old cabin that we stayed the first night, you know, someone who's a little bit older or had a small kids, you know, they, they got that. And, uh, you know, we raised our hands and said, well, you know, send us out in the woods. We're fine. So we just walked down the trail to a campsite and uh, we put up for the night, again, expecting a wet night because this gnarly storm was moving in with gale force winds. We made the best of it. They allowed us to use the phone, the landline to call home. So we we got to check in with everybody and make all our plans, change plane tickets. We put down for the night. Dan, correct me if I'm wrong. I think we cleaned out the concession stand of all the remaining beer. So I think Mm -hmm. we did. I think we did good work clearing that out. (laughs) And, uh, you know, what else could you do? There was nothing else we could do.
2: It was a great thing to do. We, you know, we had uh, just another night of camping one that we didn't necessarily want, but we made the most of it. It was perfect. It was a pleasure.
1: You know, Daniel just gave me a note that I guess we should be sensitive here that uh, while we were kind of drinking beers and eating peanut butter and jelly and we were fine, the home front didn't really know what was going on and didn't really know when, and when we were getting out or if we were in any real danger, which I don't know. I didn't think we were in any real danger. Everyone was being taking every precaution necessary, but I guess the home front was a little nervous about what, uh, uh, I should add, what, uh, what was happening to us or if we were just going to have to live on the island for the rest of our lives.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, again, the Rangers, they put on some impromptu Ranger programs, which we had nothing else to do. So we made it to the visitor center and we hung out there and uh, read books and played cards and listened to a couple of Ranger programs and met some of our, our friends and neighbors as well. So yep, yep. Uh, that was all- I say
2: one more thing, Brian. That extra hours gave me more time to gorge myself on- um... Remember the amazing edible berries there? There were the thimble berries mm-hmm. and the raspberries. Oh, that I good memory! On.
1: Yes, yes, that we were able to just pluck right from the bush. So we were able to do that as well and do a little foraging.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, you know, I should back up. We 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 talked a little bit about for us all the moose we saw. It was really not a problem. Do you remember that mom and daughter that had traversed the entire island from west to east, ending up in Rock Harbor on the on the Greenstone Trail and did not see one. Oh, moose. yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember
2: those I four do, people? Yeah, yeah. There were some intrepid hikers.
1: Intrepid hikers, but not having not seen a moose, it was almost hard to do. The moose were everywhere. So I felt yeah. badly for them. And it, it reminded me of uh, years and years ago, Daniel and I went to Chincoteague and Assateague.
2: To see the ponies?
1: To see the ponies, which apparently are you know infestation. And somehow we were the, still, I've never met anyone who's gone to that park and not seeing the ponies, but we managed not to. I saw a dog. That's as close as I got to seeing, you know, a quadruped, right? That's as close as I got to seeing a horse was seeing a dog in the distance. But yeah, so I I felt badly for them. So I guess there is a possibility. You could spend a lot of time on the island and not see a moose, but odds are pretty low. But fast forward, we, uh, you know, we hunkered down for the night. But again, the weather was weird, even though it was clearly, you know, winds were whipping up. We did not get soaked. The, the rains never really came and really opened up. So I, I thought, I counted that as a blessing, that uh, we, we never got super soaked where our gear was just wet and we were miserable. And then the next morning up, and it was just kind of the waiting game to see if we were going to make a run for it, to make a long story short. Finally, they came down and the captain said, we're going to give it a shot, load up, be ready to go in 45 minutes. And uh, we broke camp, went back, loaded up. I dosed myself heavily with Dramamine, expecting the worst, and it was actually a bit of a milk run. Right? It was fine. There was maybe three, five no, foot swell. No,
2: Brian, you're not remembering that. I'm that not remembering that. That was a rough crossing too. It was nothing like the day before. But that boat was bouncing around. You have no recollection of that? Well, for it some people, a, it may have been rough. Dan uh, and no, I no, were. <laughs> you guys? <laughs> I don't you guys, remember. We well, well, are hard, hardened sailors. For me, though, <laughs> it was. It wasn't as bad as the day before. But that was not. That was nothing like. the the trip out four days earlier five days earlier
1: i think i was just out of my tree on trauma means that's probably
2: what happened no there was a lot of wind on that lake when we came out past washington island and turned out into the lake it was big deal a lot of waves
1: uh yeah man i I fumbled that i don't i remember it being a, a bit of a milk run but i i i'll stand by your recollection not mine again as i was uh (laughs) <laughs> as I did, as I made sure I was well fortified with dramamy just in case, given what yeah. happened the, the day before. Dan, what do you remember?
3: Uh I agree with Doc. I
1: think yeah, it was well. that boat was slapping a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, we made it. And so we we pulled back into Grand Portage and uh, you know, our cars were there and everything made it. You know, we were able to load up, get out, and uh we enjoyed a pretty good I think a Duluth, pretty nice Tex Mex with some another few cold beers and that was kind of the trip and then down to minneapolis and fly out the next morning so ultimately we ended up i think doc we pulled into our homes back here on long island i think we said a little over 24 hours later than we should have um had the plans held
2: yeah i got i got in here enough time for a shower and then drove up to university it was the timing was perfect
1: excellent the way it could have unfolded uh some of the rangers were telling us it could be days. It ended up, again, notwithstanding uh, our families worrying about us, it ended up not being that bad. And, and actually, in some regards, again, felt badly for our families worrying about us. But I don't know. It's kind of nice to be in the woods an extra day. <laughs> yeah, again, yeah. nothing we could do about it, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. I mean, if it had been a week earlier, I would have said, I hope we're here stuck for a few days. Right, right. Because it is. Yeah. 24 hours was just perfect. Just worked. Well, now let me ask you
1: this. What do you wish you would have done? Or pretend we're going back out next summer.
2: What do you want to do? I want to carry less weight, but bring just as many toys. <laughs>
1: well, that's 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 your algebra that you need to figure out. I can't help you there. Exactly. But uh, anything on the island?
2: What I would like to do is a proper traverse. We took the big cruise to Macargo, and you know, if we had had more time, if it wasn't just a weekend, if we had a proper week, we could, you know, we could make our way from one end to the other, not rush, go fishing as much as we want it. It just seems like the kind of place I'd like to go back to. I, I can't get past, the um, from, in my life, the absolute unique combination of really deep in the woods. I don't have to carry a bear vault. I, I can sleep soundly because nothing's coming through camp looking for my food.
1: And also, the mosquito situation was pretty mellow. And I think, I've been told earlier in the summer, it can get pretty rough. But uh, you know, I slapped at a few mosquitoes, a couple bites, but really, I never took out the net I had the deep in my pocket. I barely used it. It was fine. It was, again, just a lovely four days we spent out there in the backcountry. But again, the, you're right, Doc. Uh, that's a nice idea. And that's a 40-mile traverse from stem to stern. Dan, what, what do you think you'd want to do?
3: I agree with that. I'd like to do the full, full across the island. That'd be really cool. But uh, I'd like to get a kayak and maybe hit some of those side coves and fish off the kayak. I think that'd be pretty cool. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll just steal that idea from you. There's that one campsite, which is in um,
1: Washington Harbor, and you can kayak to it and camp on it.
2: And yeah. You oh, mean on the island? On the island.
1: Yes. That's correct. So that is um, on Washington Island, I believe. There is a backcountry campsite. And so you can just get a kayak from Windigo, kayak to Washington Island, and then kind of be the lord of the island for a weekend <laughs> okay. if you're in the backcountry. And that seemed that, that's what I would want to do. Not that I would turn, Doc, down your offer of traversing the island, but uh, if we had extra time, I would say, let's spend two or three days on that island and just, that's it. We're away from everybody. We're just on the island. Again, that's a lot of hammock time too. So uh, I, I like hammock time and I like the workout. Mm-hmm. That would be something great to do. I'll tell you what, I don't know, since it's been a few months, I'll share one experience. And I don't know if this has come up with you all, but since we've been, I bought a couple t-shirts as I do. When I wear the t-shirt out, I have people come up to me and go, have you been to Isle Royale? And either they have and they want to share the experience or it's on their list like it was for us where they say, "I I can't believe you've gone. It's on my list. It just seems so far and hard to get to. How was it? And it's almost like being in some band, right? That has a cult following, some punk band that has a cult following that enough cool people know about but not the uncool people know about. I don't know if that's come up with you where suddenly Isle Royal pops up more and more, but wearing that T-shirt around, I get a lot of head nods, which, is, uh, which I think just speaks to the island's mystique. You made the pilgrimage. You made the pilgrimage. <laughs> yeah, right, and I have the T-shirt to prove it. I don't know. what Anything you guys have reflected on since the trip?
2: To me, it's, oh, it always comes down to just the, the feeling of walking down trails. And I've been walking down trails as long as you guys have. Something about the trails on that island, particularly. Huggin'en Cove, and then the crossing from Chicken Bone over the top ridge to Lake Ritchie. Those are just special, special passages. And do you remember also the footbridge when we went up to Tobin Harbor? We went along one of the Forest Service plank bridges that seemed to go on for a few hundred yards. through. The right, swamp. right. Just beautiful stretches of trail. The trail along the south coast uh, from Daisy Farm to Three Mile. Even though the water was beating at the shore, it was—it's just a special thing to walk along a trail, which is right there at the edge of Lake Superior, not not protected at all, just right on the edge. Beautiful, I—you know—that's what sticks with me. Trail, trail scenes in my imagination.
1: Right,
3: Dan. What uh, about you? I—I I think the island is just stunning. I mean, like you're saying, the amount of work you have to do to get there—it it totally feels like you're at the end of the earth. You're just out there, you know. I would just love to go back. I mean, I think that place is great,
1: but the work is worth it. I'm probably overemphasizing this. It's just a it's just a function of figuring out the ferry schedules with your flight if you're coming from away. But once you solve that, then you're there. It is not like, you know, we were in Yosemite in May where we had a big worry about is there going to be room at the campsite for us, right? Are we going to be able to get reservations for dinner here? We had no worries, right? I told you my ridiculous worry about seeing too many people on the trails. That was an unfounded worry. And I think that once you get there, then it's just a really mellow time. Uh, Again, notwithstanding the weather, but it's just a really great time and you can really relax and get away from it. So no
2: doubt. I think you remember how busy it was, though, the night we stayed at Three Mile. Remember how pretty much everything was taken that night because everybody was trying to get themselves to a place where they could get off the island the next day?
1: Right, right. That was a function of the weather issue, yeah, right? So no yeah, no people doubt. were breaking off. I mean, we were lucky. I guess we shouldn't whine. We were at the end of our trip anyway. It's not as though we were a day in and had to turn around and head back to Rock Harbor. Um, right. So that I, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Um, again, we just ended up staying an extra day, but we did our itinerary. We did our trip. Yeah. So that I'm very grateful for that, that it wasn't truncated because of the weather worries. Absolutely. That was nice. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I need to go find some uh, Isle Royal Cream Ale. That uh, now I suddenly have a taste for it again. <laughs> uh, well, listen, guys, this was. Uh, thank you for taking time out. Appreciate you guys taking time out to reminisce about this. It's gotten me fired up to figure out what the next trip uh, looks like with uh, with you all. So uh, I really appreciate you guys taking time out.
2: And I appreciate all the work you put into making this thing happen, Brian. You certainly have a, a knack for the logistics. So I'll tag along any old time. And thank you. I'm my mother's son,
1: so I I inherited that (laughs) skill from her. But uh, the pleasure was all mine. All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it.
2: Hey, Dan, nice to hear your voice again. Brian, I'll see you soon.
1: All right, Doc. thank
2: you.
0: This is Danielle jumping in here before we bring this trip report to a close. I want to give my perspective on this adventure, getting home. So after I spoke to Brian briefly, I was not able to speak with him again until he was off the island. And since we really had no idea of the situation besides what he told me, I took it upon myself to act as the uh, communication control center for the other families and to keep everybody in the loop of what was going on. I called the headquarters for Isle Royale National Park and the ferry company to get the status of the situation and see what the plan was. And when there was no word, I just kept calling every few hours to get an update on the situation and relay the information to the others. There was lots of texting among us at home to uh, (laughs) discuss and express anxieties and whatnot since we didn't know that the boys were fine and out of danger. The feelings at home were much different than their relaxed dispositions on the island. So there's my perspective on the situation. Thank you for listening to Everybody's National Parks. You may find links to resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes on our website, everybodysnationalparks.com. Send us your stories, tips, or comments to hello at everybodysnps.com. You can write us a message or even record a short voice memo on your phone and then attach it to the email. You may be featured on an upcoming episode. Again, the email is hello at everybody's nps.com. Subscribe for free to Everybody's National Parks on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, become a patron. Just click on support our show on our homepage, everybody's We also appreciate if you write a review, give us a five-star rating, and tell your friends. This helps more people find us. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you from the parks you are visiting, so please tag us at hashtag everybody's national parks. Most of all, enjoy exploring the national parks with your family. Bye for now.